0: Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. Wayne Pratt here. If you enjoy The Gateway... Take the next step and support us by going to stlpublicradio.org and making a donation. It takes just a minute and will help keep this daily news podcast possible, as well as all the in-depth news on our website and airwaves. Make a donation now at stlpublicradio.org donate. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Wednesday, March 18th. I'm Wayne Pratt. More cases of COVID-19 are being reported in Missouri and Illinois. Health officials have confirmed the first case in Madison County. It's a man in his 30s. He is the youngest of the five coronavirus cases currently in the Metro East. There are 160 cases in Illinois. State health officials say a Chicago resident in her 60s is the first COVID-19-related death. In the state. Governor J.B. Pritzker is slated to be in Belleville today to discuss the state's coronavirus response with Metro East leaders. In Missouri, health officials are now reporting 15 cases, including one in St. Louis and four in St. Louis County. Restaurant restrictions in the Missouri part of the St. Louis region go into effect at midnight Thursday. City leaders and counterparts in St. Louis, St. Charles and Franklin counties say halting dine-in options should help stop the spread of the virus. St. Louis schools will start providing free meals today to children who are not attending in-person classes, Tram rides at the Gateway Arch have been suspended until further notice, and Missouri casinos are now closed at least through March 30th. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Eli Chen will examine how decade-old quarantine policies appear to have left Missouri unprepared for COVID-19. Restaurants and bars in the St. Louis region will not be allowed to serve dine-in customers starting at the end of the day Thursday. Thursday. It's part of the effort to reduce the spread of the new coronavirus. As St. Louis Public Radio's Corinne Ruff reports, regional government leaders say the businesses can stay open for takeout, curbside pickup, and delivery orders.
1: The new restrictions apply to restaurants and bars in St. Louis and the counties of St. Louis, St. Charles and Franklin. Many restaurants and bars have already switched to delivery and takeout options or closed entirely. St. Louis Mayor Lyda Cruson says there are about 88,000 people in the St. Louis region employed by the hospitality industry. There has
0: to be direct help to individuals and to small businesses from the federal government in order to get through this crisis.
1: Crewson did not mention any local resources for restaurant workers, but said those who may be laid off in the coming days could apply for unemployment benefits. I'm Corinne Ruff, St. Louis Public Radio.
0: School closings are leading to concerns about how some children will be fed. St. Louis schools will begin providing free meals today to children 18 and younger who are not attending in-person classes. More than 30 sites are being set up to serve breakfast and lunch between 8 in the morning and noon. St. Louis Public Schools Deputy Superintendent Michael Brown says the locations are within walking distance of many homes. We partner with the charter school districts and independent school districts within the city to make sure that everyone, every child, no matter whether you attend charter, independent, private, public, or county, will have access to meals during the break. Three sites open today, the rest Monday. We have a list and map of those locations at stlpublicradio.org. The St. Louis Metropolitan Clergy Coalition will meet with St. Louis Mayor Lida Cruson and County Executive Sam Page tomorrow to discuss coronavirus. Many black church leaders are wondering if services should be held as the region deals with the outbreak. New Northside Missionary Baptist Church pastor, the Reverend Roderick Burton, says his facility in Jennings is being cleaned, hand sanitizer options have been added, and people have changed how they greet each other.
1: Just elbows or just speaking
0: your greetings but not contacting people and also expressing, hey, look, people do not want to be touched. Don't take it personally. It's about health. Burton says he and church leadership are assessing next steps like potentially streaming services. Despite fear and uncertainty amid the COVID-19 outbreak, hundreds of thousands of Illinois voters turned out yesterday for the state's primary election. Here's reporter Brian Mackey. At the top of the ticket, Joe Biden left Bernie Sanders in his dust, winning Illinois by 23 percentage points, at least as of early this morning. In races for the U.S. House, name recognition carried the day. In the northwest suburbs of Chicago, former state representative and gubernatorial candidate Jeannie Ives will challenge freshman Democrat Sean Kasten. In keeping with social distancing protocols, she skipped the election night party and delivered a short victory speech on Facebook.
1: Today, we held an election. This was a good thing. Governor Pritzker made the right call by allowing it to go on.
0: Meanwhile, farther west, Republican state senator and perennial candidate Jim Oberweiss won the right to challenge freshman Democratic Congresswoman Lauren Underwood. I'm Brian Mackey. In other news, another piece of the financing puzzle for the Major League Soccer Stadium in downtown St. Louis is in place. A state board is authorizing nearly $6 million in tax credits the ownership group, led by the Taylor family of Enterprise Holdings and Jim Cavanaugh of Worldwide Technology, is financing the vast majority of this $500 million project. The group asked for state and city assistance to build infrastructure at the site, which was previously a series of highway ramps. As additional cases of the new coronavirus disease are confirmed, government officials are directing more people to quarantine at home. Enforcing that can be a challenge. Some local leaders are dismayed by people who are not following instructions to isolate themselves. St. Louis Public Radio's Eli Chen reports on how decades-old quarantine policies have left states like Missouri unprepared for the COVID-19 outbreak.
1: It was on March 7th that Missouri health officials confirmed the state's first case of COVID-19, a 20-year-old St. Louis County woman who had been studying abroad in Italy. After the eldest daughter tested positive, county health officials say they told family members to quarantine themselves, though the family disputes that. The woman's father took her sister to a high school dance. That led to this news conference with county executive Sam Page. The county health directors informed him today that he must remain in his home or they will issue a formal quarantine that will require him and the rest of his family to stay in their home by the force of law. In some cases, the federal government may have the authority to quarantine people with communicable diseases. On Monday, President Trump recommended that families of people with COVID-19 should stay inside. But that's just a recommendation. It's often left up to state and local officials to figure out when and how to enforce someone to isolate themselves. When a 53-year-old Kentucky man who tested positive for COVID-19 refused to self-isolate, state officials there obtained a court order to force him to do so and even posted a police officer outside of his house. Here's Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir on that decision.
0: And it's a step I hope that I never had to take but we can't allow one person who we know has this virus to refuse uh, to protect their their neighbors.
1: Legally mandated quarantines have rarely been used in the U.S. In most states, people can face fines and even criminal charges if they defy a court-ordered quarantine but Northeastern University law professor Wendy Parmet says threats of arrest and other penalties aren't effective at protecting community health, and that states need to revise policies to help address why a person might break quarantine.
0: So one thing I think is important is that before we condemn people, we need to know a little bit more about what's going on, what is their story, what message are they getting. There's just a lot of confusion right now.
1: Many state governments haven't updated their quarantine laws in decades, and fewer than half have plans to ensure safe and humane quarantines. Boston University law professor Michael Ulrich says quarantines imposed during the 2014 Ebola outbreak led to lots of problems. There
0: are a lot of stories of students being trapped in their you know, 300-square-foot studio apartment with trash piling up and they're running out of food. And the states weren't really prepared.
1: Many state policies don't address how people will be able to acquire food and medicine to help them quarantine at home. And only 20 percent of states have policies that protect a person's employment while they are under quarantine. Getting a court order to force someone to quarantine could be counterproductive. Ulrich says asking someone to voluntarily self-quarantine fosters more trust between the general public and government officials. And then you get people that feel more like they're in control and like they are deciding to
0: stay home rather than being coerced or forced to.
1: And he says with voluntary requests, it's more likely that people will tell the truth about their symptoms because relying on someone's goodwill just may not be enough. I'm Eli Chen, St. Louis Public Radio.
0: Our David Cosserays edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this has been The Gateway.